Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Tonight's show is being sponsored by 
Infinity Wealth Group, whose mission is to empower the middle class with information and resources to create stable, a stable financial future for retirement and beyond. Learn more about the unique propriety planning process on the Infinity Wealth Group Facebook page. And anyone who likes our page from this show will receive a free consultation. So, all you renegades out there, while you spent time filling out your bracket, you could have been taking that first step to creating your game plan for retirement. So make sure you check out the Infinity Wealth Group. Make sure you go to the Infinity Wealth Group Facebook page and like us, uh, like them, and you will get a free consultation if you let them know you heard about them on the uh, Real Sports Guy. So, wow. New sponsors. I like it. Again, my man D. Wills is out there every day. He's hustling, getting his rosé on. Hustling. <laughs> hustling. Oh, man. Yes. Yeah. And love, love the folks over at Infinity Work Wealth Group, man. Thank them for being part of this special podcast. We love it. Absolutely. So this edition of The Real Sports Guys is brought to you by Infinity Wealth Group. Guest and host tonight will uh, appear via the Renegade Hotline, which will be brought to you by another new sponsor who's going to sponsor the uh, hotline where you'll hear all of our guests. Uh, we won't have any guests tonight, but the host will be on the hotline. Uh, K&N Replacement. Uh, K&N Filters, rather. Uh, K&N Replacement air filters are designed to increase horsepower, provide excellent en- engine protection, and last for the life of your car, truck, or motorcycle. Go to knfilters.com slash podcast and get a great deal on K&N Replacement air filters with free shipping, and as a bonus, you will also get a free K&N hat just because you heard them, heard about it here on The Real Sports Guys. See, our sponsors are hooking you guys up already. You get a free consultation, Infinity Wealth Group, if you go to their Facebook page and like them and let them know you heard about them here on The Real Sports Guys. And then if you go to knfilters.com, knfilters, rather, don't put the and in there, knfilters.com slash podcast, all right, you can get uh, a great deal on a replacement air filter with free shipping, plus a bonus, you get that nice, fresh K&N hat. So, T. Wills, tell me about this, man. You've been you've been hitting the streets, man, working the pavement. I like it. You know, trying to, you're trying to upgrade the facilities around here. That's what's up. My man, well, you know, holler at the people. I'll bring you in properly. Holler at the people. Yeah, you know, each year I'm trying to raise it up. You know, I want to thank the people at uh, K&N and, um, and Infinity Wealth Group uh, for, for for being our sponsors tonight. Um, it's just great to have people who recognize what we're trying to get done. You know, I call it the movement. Um, and, you know, each year we're trying to add a new wrinkle uh, to it. Uh, and uh, obviously we've got a new wrinkle uh, for our uh, – Real Sports Guys uh, Tourney Challenge, and we're just trying to up the game every year, man. We're trying to, you know, when we set this thing out, we said, you know, we want to change the game. You know, we are uh, we are like, you know, we like that underground sports radio show that is giving you all the stuff, the real stuff, in a way that's uh, packaged authentically. So, you know, I think our sponsors recognize that. We love having them with us, and, you know, we just want to add them to the movement. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is uh this is the realness radio right here. Uh it's it's officially uh street approved, uh barbershop authentic, real urban sports radio if you want to call it that. Uh so my man, we're gonna hold it down for the next ninety minutes. Ninety minutes is straight 
raw funk uh, for you uh, with me and D-Wheels on the ones and twos. We're going to break down the NCAA tournament brackets. We're going to go region by region. Um, D-Wheels and the Game Changer are going to give you our uh, unsolicited opinions, um, whether you want it or not. You're going to get this opinion. Uh, that's what we do. Um, so we're going to give you your give you our opinion on different brackets. Um, we'll probably go at each other a little bit, um, but that's just how we do. So, you know, it's all a part of the game. It's all a part of how we get down here. So we're just going to jump right into things uh, with no hesitation, with no delay. Let's go ahead and get into it. We're going to start talking about these brackets. And as we look at the brackets, the brackets came out yesterday. CBS, geez, just put the brackets out. Stop trying to stop doing so much, man. Just lay the brackets on us. That's all we need. We run into the printer anyway. We ain't trying to hear what y'all got to say. We ain't finna influence my picks. We got all week to listen to you guys break down the brackets, right? Once they come out, hush. Let me get my printer going, and then we can proceed. It was interesting to hear Kenny and Ernie and Chuck kind of talk about their perspectives on college hoops, but I know they, they've they watched as much college hoops as I, as I have. And this year I've been a little <laughs> out of it on the college hoops tips. I will totally admit that. Um, I've watched enough, though, to be able to give you guys an informed opinion on what I think is going to happen. Um, I know D. Wills is a little bit more locked in um, to the college game. I mean, I'm more of a pro guy. I, I'll admit that. It's just better basketball. <laughs> the basketball is better because they're the best players in the world. That's what I want to see, you know. If you like uh, antics and, 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 and uh, atmosphere, then it's all about college. Yeah, I dig that. But if you if it's about the game, you know, we're talking about the game, you know, if it's about the game, then you can't tell me the pro ain't better. You can't tell me that. I won't believe you. But if you want to talk about atmosphere and antics and things that go on in the crowd and that kind of stuff, yeah, college got it on that on that tip. So, B-Wills, man, first, let's set this up, all right? Let's really set this up. So what what do you see? How do you uh feel about this particular tournament field this year? You know, you know, a lot of times when we uh you know, sometimes talk about the draft, we say this is a GM draft where you just gotta really know the nuances to understand what's going on. I think this tournament is that way. I think um all the teams who are good are flawed. And that's what makes it interesting. The other thing is that this is the first tournament in a long time that the story is about upper-class leaders across the board, even on some of the best teams in the country. It's about juniors and seniors, which is a different narrative than we probably um, experienced in a long time. And it almost feels like it's going to be one of those things that, you know, we used to see not with the talent level, but the strategy that we used to see maybe in the 80s and early 90s you know, before the Fab Five kind of blew up the whole, let's bring the young cats in early, where you had these seniors and these coaches and these strategies that are playing out in a much broader sense than um, we've seen in in many years. So I'm kind of excited about this because I think, um, you know, we'll talk about it. I I think you're going to see some of these high seeds um, who are talented, make some noise. Um, You're going to see some, some, some top teams who are flawed. Um, I think it's going to be an exciting tournament just because 
there isn't a real clear dominant team. There's some teams that are very strong um, that we'll talk about, but they all got a little bit of flaw. And then we st- we can't forget those can't trusted coaches. So that also is a part of the equation that we got to think about. Those folks that no matter what it is, find a way to end up in a CBS studio earlier than they should. That's the folks that are also going to be part of this storyline here. Um, and you know we're talking about Villanova, Jay Wright. <laughs> Name and names, baby. That's how we get down. And you and you and you preview the can't trust them list. As we go through these regions, we will definitely be putting some teams on the can't trust them list. You just these are teams that you just cannot trust, right? They may have a high seed, they may have a small number by their name, but these are teams that you want to make sure that you do not have them advancing very far in your bracket. You want to make sure you do not have major money riding on the success of these programs because historically and consistently, they will let you down. <laughs> so it, it, and, and, and the list grows by the year. The list grows by the year. By the year. So we're going to get into this. Uh, we're going to start talking about uh, the West region. So we're going to start with the West region. We have three main kind of questions that we're going to explore as we have this conversation, this back and forth between D. Wills and myself. Again, you're listening to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio, back in full effect, uh, West Regional Breakdown for the NCAA Tournament. Uh, first up is the favorites out of the region. And these are teams that I, I think, I'm doing the West region, so this is me, that I think D. Wills is going to have a chance to kind of come at me about my picks. But these are the teams that I think could make it to the Final Four out of the West region. Um, first off, the West region is an interesting region. This region, to me, is it's it's the uh, it's the region where I think there are the softest uh, higher seeds, in my opinion. The the high the, the top seeds in this region. Again, I'm not I'm, I'm not even going front. I'm not super locked in. College basketball, but I usually have an idea who the top teams are in the country. And when Oregon got a one seed, I was like, "Really? <laughs> they play basketball in Oregon?" <laughs> so you know what I mean? That kind of blew me away because I just wasn't—I'm just not up on Oregon. Um, I think there's a reason I'm not up on Oregon. That's um, because I, why should I be? Um, you know, the Pac-12. Outside of Arizona and the occasional UCLA team, I don't trust them. Um, just in general, as a general rule of thumb, Pac-12 is usually slightly suspect um, when it comes to the NCAA tournament. And even, you know, Arizona, depending upon their talent level, you really can't rock with them too hard. UCLA, when they got talent, they usually make good on that talent. But Arizona usually lets you down at some point. With that said, Oregon's the one seed. Oklahoma's the two seed. I like Oklahoma. Don't like Oregon. Three seed, Texas A&M, not so much. Then we got Duke at the four. You know how I feel about Duke basketball. (laughs) Not a fan. Not a fan. But I'm not a hater. But I'm definitely not a fan. And a lot of it is they just let me down all the time in the tournament. When I do pick them to go far, they never – they they wind up getting beat in the first round. So, with that said, you know, you got Baylor at the five, Texas at the six. So, just a real kind of 
I don't quite know about this particular region. Not a lot of strength to me at the top, which to me makes this the right region for upsets. Um, the teams that I do think can make it out, though, Buddy Hield and Oklahoma are battle-tested. They've been in a lot of close games. Um, again, we all know the cheat code in the NCAA tournament is a hot guard, and Oklahoma has a guy who can get going really fast. On top of that, they have another guard in Isaiah Cousins who also is a player who can get hot really fast. He's one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country percentage-wise ever. Um, they shoot a very high – they shoot above 40% as a team from downtown, uh, which, again, can be a lethal weapon. The one thing you worry about with Oklahoma is that they go cold. Um, and they're a jump shooting team. They don't really have much of an inside presence. And when they go cold, which they rarely do, but it's the tournament. You're not at home. You're not in the gym you're even familiar with. Um, and things can go south really fast when you're a jump shooting team or a team that relies on scoring from the perimeter. Um, but the good thing about them is that they do have a pro player, a pro caliber player, and I think another pro caliber player in Isaiah Cousins in their backcourt, which I think will steady them and allow them to possibly make it out of this region and move on to the Final Four. The other team that I think to move on to the Final Four, uh, and then, again, this is I had to pick somebody out of this region. All right, I had to pick somebody who I thought other than Oklahoma could possibly make it to the Final Four, and I'm saying Duke. All right, the reason being is Duke has the talent level. Right, the other thing that works in the tournament are pros, and I think Duke has a couple of guys on their roster who I think one day will be pros. Uh, Grayson Allen, I think, will be a, a pro. I don't know if he'll be a good pro. But he's he's a but he's he's better than your he'll be better than ninety five percent of the guys he goes against on a nightly basis in the NCAA. That that to me justifies a pro, right? When you're when you're in that top five percent, that top two three percent, where ninety nine percent of the time, ninety eight ninety seven percent of the time you're on the court, you're the best guy in the gym. You're a pro. Um, Brandon Ingram obviously is also fits that mold. Um, they still got a Plumlee hanging around. Uh, Plumlee is just. They're always there. Like it's been like <laughs> ten years of Plumlee. Like we gotta. Yeah. Can can they be done? I mean, I hope there are no more Plumlee. Um, but I think Duke, because of their talent profile, should they should have an opportunity. And obviously, you talked about it. Coaching is, I think, is going to be one of the key determining factors in a bracket like this, where the talent isn't the talent gap isn't overwhelming. And again, Coach K in my opinion, is one of the best in the business, um, and he should be able to work with this team and get them to where they need to be. Now, has he failed me before, and have they failed me before? Yes, which is why they, they, they hold a very prominent spot on the can't-trust-them list, all right? Duke is at the top of the can't-trust-them list year in and year out just because every two or three years they get down with the foolery, and I can't ride with that. So Oklahoma, <laughs> Duke, and then my third team that I think can make it out of this region the Texas Longhorns, uh, and that's just on the strength of my man Shocker. I'm a big Shocker Smart fan. I think he's one of the best coaches in the nation um, when it comes to college basketball. Uh, I think he's still kind of figuring out what his teams are going to look like at Texas, but they've done a he's done a great job in his first year of establishing an identity, getting his guys uh, ready and working and playing hard and playing that kind of uh, all-out, run-through-a-brick-wall style of basketball that his teams at VCU were known for playing. Um, so I think his squad could cause some problems. And if one of the top 
couple of seeds gets knocked out, it could clear the way for Texas to come out of this bracket. But that's a real long shot for the Longhorns. Ultimately, I think Oklahoma is the favorite for me coming out of this bracket. Now, the next question, what are your, what are your, what are your thoughts on that before I go on to the next question, D-Will? Those two no, teams, I, Oklahoma, I, Duke, and Texas. Yeah, I think you did a good next. I, I, you know, um, Texas, and I had a chance to hear Shaka speak at a conference, uh, um, uh, I think, uh, back in, uh, I want to say, December or January or something like that. And, um, you know, his leadership and, you know, his point guy, Isaiah, um, believes him. He's a pro prospect. Um, and the style he plays, and you know they've had some, they had some ups and down kind of runs, but they kind of pulled it together here towards uh, the end of the year. And I think um, the, the one thing I'm nervous about is their first round um, uh, um, uh, uh, matchup with Northern Iowa, who is one of these programs that just ain't they, they're a giant killer. But I think they can get past that. I think they're you know they're familiar with Texas A&M, who I think they might end up playing. Um, and I think, you know, Shaka's got his momentum going. I think that's good. I, you know, I have them losing to Oklahoma because I think at that point you got familiar um, uh, opponents, and I just think Oklahoma probably has a little bit more ready talent for that. The Duke one, I think you're you're right uh, about it. I just think they kind of have um, an easier path to, um, you know, at least the uh, Elite Eight uh, in a way, and, um, you know, depending on – I think I have a, a, a St. Joe's. I think is tough, and a, a St. Joe's Duke matchup could provide them with some problems. Um, but you know, I think they got they got a, they got a top three, top two player on their squad who comes to play, um, and that's the difference. One of the things I said about Duke is that when they have a guy who not only three point shooter, but he can also go to the box. He's wiry, but he he'll, he'll get down in there and get dirty. Um, that allows for them to play well when they struggle with their jump shooting. Um, not afraid to put it on the floor. Um, Grayson is kind of feisty, and, and, and he'll take it to the basket. Um, and I think Plumley. I think the turning point when I watched Plumley take that hit on the nose, and then he just came back and had a big kind of game, that toughness, when I watched them early in the season, they didn't have folks down low who were tough who could bang. They were just getting knocked around. And Plumlee, for the first time to me, felt like he kind of exhibited that he was willing to be that enforcer in the middle. And if he can do that in a tournament and just really focus on rebounding, that gets them extra possessions. And a, a shooting team like that with extra possessions could be dangerous. I think where they get in trouble when they run up against a team that has some depth. And I think a team like Oklahoma and other folks, you know, they're going to need more than just being able to get over with, um, you know Grayson Allen and, and, and Ingram. So uh, I think you I think you hit it on that. And I think you're right. It's, it's kind of it's weak because um, the top teams, other than Oklahoma, I think is strong. I watch them a lot. I just love them. Um, uh, uh, the other ones, I think Oregon is played well. But when I look at their some of their preseason work and some of the you know the credit they get with the Pac-10 is how are you going to perform when the lights are on in the, in the big tournament? And I think there's some gritty teams that can can get them. Um, and so I, I think your assessment of these top teams are, are pretty much right on. I wouldn't even uh, push back on it. I think Texas is – I got them going a couple rounds. Um, but I don't know if they were to meet Duke or, or Oklahoma, I think that's where they might struggle to get over the top. 
Yeah, yeah, I I agree, I agree. So I'm glad I'm glad you focused about my picks. I'm going to the next mm-hmm. question. Most likely upsets, and these are ten seeds or lower, right? So a ten or lower who I think can advance from the West region. Um, as I look at this region, there was some there, because I, I'm not a big fan of the higher seeds. There were quite a few um, double digit seeds that I thought could make some noise in this particular region. Um, first, the team I think most likely. Um, and, you know, VCU as a 10 over Oregon State. Again, Oregon State, Pac-12, not really a perennial tournament team. You know, I think they're happy to be in it. I don't know. I don't, you know, Gary Payton Jr. or Gary Payton 2 or whatever okay. you want to call him. Um, great Payton. player. But I don't know. I don't, I don't see very much separation between them and VCU. So that's an easy one to pick, right, because that's a pre- fairly even game. Um, Texas A&M is a team I'm not really a fan of. Uh, I think that they can get beaten. Again, not really a traditional basketball school. Had a good year this year. But usually that 3-14 is where you get a team that you expect, one of those new school kind of powers, like in Iowa State. Um, Georgetown has been in this spot in, in, in the past in a couple of years and have lost and have up, upset people quite often. So that 3-14, UW-Green Bay, I think, is a scrappy team that mm-hmm. on any given night, could possibly knock off someone. Obviously, Northern Iowa, even though I'm a Texas fan, Northern Iowa has the pedigree. They've been in the tournament quite a bit. They kind of know what it's about. Um, they could uh, be a team that could knock someone off. And then Yale, that's 5-12. We all know that's a sweet spot for an upset. Yale and Baylor. And Baylor is also a, a team that constantly, constantly disappoints. Um, anytime they're rated highly, they usually bow out early. Um, I think they're still may, really waiting to kind of really gain some footing as a powerhouse program. So, Yale, Northern Iowa, UW-Green Bay, and, you know, again, VCU, that's a 7-10 matchup that I don't really really count. If VCU won that, I wouldn't count that as an upset. But those other three, um, I would definitely count as upsets. And those are the three teams that I think could possibly, um, if anybody's going to pull an upset, it's going to be one of those three. I think 14, uh, Green Bay, 11 seed, Northern Iowa, and then the 12 seed, Yale, um, in that 5-12 matchup, I think – all those teams could pull upsets. When you look at the West region, are there other teams that you see that maybe I, I'm not looking at or maybe not on my radar that you think could possibly pull an upset? Um, my big one out of here that I was going to focus on is Yale. You know, I think Tommy Hamaker um, and the Ivy League has been known in the past, you know, to produce some teams that could go um, a couple rounds. I, I think they definitely um, can, um, you know, have a first-round um a win. I, I think they then would probably struggle against Duke um, uh, in a way, but I think Yale Yale is a, a it's an interesting um, one for me. Um, I, I think um, uh, Northern Iowa, just because they're one of the, that conference that was at Missouri Valley, Northern Iowa, Wichita State. I mean, they've been good for a little bit a little while now. I mean, they're not new to this party, either one of those teams. The fact that they got two teams in says something about the respect, the growing respect for that conference. And they always seem to have cats. They just don't – they're just not scared of you. And uh, they're going to come and bring it. And so, yeah, I, I think they're a team that I wouldn't be surprised that made a run and ended up playing like Oklahoma. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I I wouldn't be surprised at that either. I wouldn't be surprised at that either. So, you know, those are the teams that I think could possibly um, pull an upset. If you're looking for an upset special in the West region, 
I gave you three possible choices. Uh, the program most under pressure to get out of this first weekend. This is a great question. Um, I'm glad we're asking ourselves this question. <laughs> I'm glad we wrote this question up. Well, this is a great question because it kind of gets into the to to the to the real meat of of what the tournament is really about. And the tournament for individuals, for players, for coaches, for programs, it's about building your brand. This is the ten, this is your chance as a program to make a name for yourself and really establish yourself as a name school on a larger stage. Gonzaga, um, Butler, uh, VCU schools, those mid majors. This is their platform for really allowing them to compete, and this is what's very different from football, is that football doesn't really have a platform for those mid-level schools to be able to brand themselves, get their product out there, get their team out there in front of 18-, 19-year-old kids and have them take notice of what they're doing with their program. Um, and the tournament, the bracket, all those things are ways for mid-majors to leverage this opportunity as a chance to advertise. This is what we do. This is who we are. This is our brand of ball. And that is a, a great opportunity. It also can be a curse. If you don't perform well in the tournament, uh, people are going to write you off, you know, especially if you're killing kids' brackets. <laughs> that 15-year-old blue chipper, you kill his bracket, he's definitely not interested in going to your school. You know, so everybody knows how you did in the tournament, you know, whether you did well or you did poorly. So teams that I think um, really in the West region, the team that I think really needs to uh, make good on this is Oregon. Um, Oregon is a one seed. I don't know if Oregon's ever been a one seed. I know they won the very first NCAA tournament. They mm -hmm. probably haven't been relevant in the tournament since. Um, and this is an opportunity. If they bomb this opportunity, you know, this is like you voted prom king and you show up and you got on a wax suit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they, 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 you only get one shot. You only get one <laughs> shot at this to prove that you belong that you can be at the big boy table, right? It's like when your mom and you finally graduate from the little kid's table at Thanksgiving and you go up to the big kid's table. You don't want to be sitting there belching and, and making noises and acting like, you know, buttoning in conversations and being goofy and silly and playing with your food while you're at the grown folks' table. So this is their, they're stepping up to the grown folks' table, and this is their opportunity to prove that they belong in the conversation with some of the teams that are perennial one seeds. Um, or is this just a blip on the radar? So I think they're under a lot of pressure, um, and this is a great branding opportunity for them to either establish themselves um, as, you know, an equal to their football program on the basketball side, or they can get written off really fast um, as a mistake being a number one. So they don't. you don't want that. You don't want people to doubt that you should have had the seed that you had um, you want to justify that seed. So I think Oregon in this region is under pressure to justify that one seed in my mind. Uh, who do you have uh, as being – what do you think of that? Do you see, or do you see someone else or do you agree? Um, you know, I, I would agree with Oregon, but I also think <clears throat> Oklahoma. I mean, you know, as a, as a you, know, um, you know, Kruger's been kind of building this thing. You know, you got a guy like Buddy – um, this is an opportunity for you to get back to the kind of that Billy Tubbs kind of national visibility. Um, and if they can make a run to the Final Four, I think that does well for recruiting. That does well for really strengthening their brand as a, kind of a staying power um, as they've been building over the past couple of years. And 
there's an expectation that um, they deliver. You know, do they win a national championship? I don't know if it's an expectation, but there's an expectation that they make a run to the Final Four. You know, Oregon's like new money. You know, uh, people kind of like it or whatever, but if they lost, they were like, you still got your football team. Um, I think Oklahoma's like, but I think Oklahoma's trying to build a program where one of those those rare schools where they have an elite basketball team and an elite football team, and they compete in both. I think they're really moving that direction, um, and they've been consistent enough. You know, I think they're under some pressure to at least, you know, you know, punch that ticket to the Final Four. Okay. Okay. And I can see that. I can see that, uh, you know, Oklahoma's been – a team that, again, they, sometimes they get these high seeds and they don't perform. Um, so yeah. I definitely can see where you're going. And, again, Lon Kruger is taking over and he's trying to rebuild that um, and keep it moving in a positive direction, keep it moving forward. And, again, this is a brand-building opportunity. So you're listening yeah. to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and we're going to break down the East region. We'll be back after this. Back with the real sports guys, the real guys talk real sports. RSG Renegade Radio. Make sure you check us out. Download the podcast from realsportsguys.com. Uh, we're in the house. We're breaking down the tournament brackets. This edition of the Real Sports Guys is brought to you by Infinity Wealth Group. Make sure you go to the Infinity Wealth Group Facebook page and like them. Uh, if you like them, you will get a free consultation. Uh, if you let them know that you heard about them through the Real Sports Guys. Now, D. Wills, your turn. Yep. You got the East Regional. Break it mm-hmm. down. Question number one, your favorites out of the region. Who do you like? Tell us a little bit about your thoughts on the region, and then who do you like coming out? Well, this is kind of the blue blood region. You know, we got some back to the future folks uh, in this region. Um, you know, when you think about, you know, uh, you know Carolina, you think about uh, Indiana, you think about Kentucky, um, uh, you think about in recent years Wisconsin. Um, uh, you got you got some folks who have some tradition, and then you got some new money like Xavier, who always kind of been like that next step of Butler uh, on it. This is where I think people can make their money because you know this has got a region of some folks who could make a run, you know one through seven um, in many different ways. And so some of the, 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 I think the highlight favorites coming out of that region, um, for me, um, are, are a couple. I mean, I think obviously, um, you know, when you think about, um, you know, someone like, uh, you know, uh, um, a, a, a North Carolina um, uh, coming out of that region, um, 
you know, I think they, you know, a lot of people have them. If they, if, they, if everybody plays at their best, everybody believes Carolina uh, is a team to beat in the country. I think the other team is Indiana. Uh, Yogi Ferrell, man, I watched him, and this told me a lot about him. He, they're playing at Michigan, and Michigan came out the gate running on them. And Tom Crean lit into him, and he went on a run. And his, I mean, we argue about. I said Indiana was a sleeper because nobody has kind of co-signed off of Indiana. I mean, I think if you, you survey most people, people didn't know they were winning the Big Ten. But they got a solid squad of players um, that I think can compete with anybody in America. And a lot of it starts with this point guard played with Yoga Ferrell. I think he's just a competitor. He is somebody who gets after it um, in ways that um, I think are, are real special. Obviously, and I don't have them going as far, Kentucky. I think down the stretch, you know, we talked a little bit about Kentucky um, you know, I think their back of court um, uh, with Ulysses leading it is, <clears throat> I think they're gelling in a way that Calipari, and nobody can talk about disrespect better than Calipari and get his troops um, kind of focused around them uh, in a way that <clears throat> um, can energize them. I mean, he can turn, I mean, if you saw him on, uh, on the post-tournament show, it was like they have been totally disrespected. I mean, he even took a shot at uh at Louisville, and they weren't even in the tournament. And so he is uh, a great motivator, and I think he's done some, I think his greatest coaching job uh, uh, with this team, uh, but they still have some flaws that might show up against some of these equally talented teams. But Jamal Murray, man, that is a cat who can just straight up light it up uh, in a way that can carry a, uh, he reminds me, of, he can pull a, you know, for those people who know a Glenn Rice kind of run. Like, well, he can go over six games and really put some, some heat on people uh, in a way that make you remember his performance. And so some of those blue buds I like um, really uh, coming out of here, but I also got some sneaky teams that, um, you know, uh, uh, we, can, we can talk about. I think Wisconsin can create some problems, and, and as we start to break down the brackets, um, could make a run in a couple of different rounds because they got some sneaky experience, but they got some um, – folks over the last month and a half who've grown into some roles, and they've been in this space before, uh, that could cause problems uh, down the stretch. So those are some teams that I think can make uh, a run out of this thing. But I think this thing, you know, you got a team like Stony Brook. You know, you got some teams in here. This is an interesting region. Yeah, I'm not, I don't argue too much with those picks. You know, you're right. You got the Blue Bloods. You got the North Carolina, the Indiana, the Kentucky. Um you know, that are in this region. Um, and, you know, Kentucky, I like a lot this year. Um, and the reason I like them a lot is they got guards who can put the ball in the basket in Tyler Eulis and Jamal Murray. Um, I like both of those guys. I like their games. I like the way they play. I like their leadership ability a lot. I'm not a – usually, usually Kentucky's guards are the weak link on their rosters. Um, that is not the case this year. Um, and if they get some solid production, their big men have been making some progress. If they continue, if they can get um, some more solid production out of their bigs, um, they're going to cause some major problems. Um, another sneaky team I like that could possibly, again, this is a year where there isn't a true favorite and there isn't team, aren't teams the overwhelming talent, but Providence. Keep your eye on Providence. Chris Dunn, yes. great guard. And, yes. again, we all know that that's the cheat code. You know, you got a guard that can get hot. He's a pro. I mean, he's a high-level pro. He's. A, I think he's a future all-star in the NBA. I think, you know, if he gets hot, 
he could carry Providence to the Sweet 16 and possibly beyond um, and really make a name for himself and really put that program on the map, which he's been building for a couple of years um, under Ed Cooley. So next question, D. Will, most likely upsets. Give me 10 seeds or lower that you think might pull an upset, bust up your bracket, make it to the Sweet 16 or beyond. Um, the team that I uh, the team that I have up here that that could do this is Stephen F. Austin, um, and part of it is um, this is a team that's nationally highly ranked in both deep offense and defense. You know they got Thomas Walk up, uh, he's averaging about 17 points a game. Uh, Demetrius Floyd and uh, 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 Clyde uh, uh, Gelfart. Um, I've kind of watched him a little bit. They're a team that's kind of scrappy. There's a theme. There's some teams who are like, uh, as with the theme I'll use is junkyard Philly tough. And I think the Lumberjacks um, is a, they're the kind of team that could, you know, cause some problems um, here um, because they just know these are cats who just know they can ball and ain't really shook by you know what's on the front of your jersey. Um, and so I, I see them as a team that. Um, that can play uh, a, a significant uh, role in here, and I kind of got them, you know, going, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, having a first round upset, but you know, could kind of make a run. Another team, and this would be a big upset, but I had a chance to watch them um, over the uh, over the weekend, um, and they got they got they got some stuff that can play, um, and. It's, it's it's one of those programs where uh, when you look at it, you're like, ain't no way in the world, you know, um, you know, this program is going to do, you know, uh, something in 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 this bracket. Uh, but Stony Brook, they got a big fella for Stony Brook who who's like like Barkley. This had this cat had 43 in the championship game and got moves beyond uh, belief. Uh, in here that is like we ain't, you know kind of moves are like we not we not hearing it kind of moves um, ranked as uh, um, I get his name ranked as one of the um, finalists for um, the the honor for power forwards rebounding um, and so when the only problem I have is that Kentucky has a lot of bigs but I just got a feeling this cat might go off and so and Stony Brook they ball and. It's interesting about Kentucky that they're, I think they're most vulnerable early in the, in the tournament. I think if they get momentum, this is what Cal is, is kind of good at what he does. He can, he can start to build belief, but I think they're most vulnerable early in the, in the tournament. And I think, you know, looking at someone like a Stony Brook um, could, who is not, again, these are cats who are not, they got they got an NBA um, you know level player on their roster, and um, you don't know about them. And it's easy for a team like Kentucky, particularly a big, maybe to disrespect in a way that might cause them problems um, in this game. And they know how to play. Um, it's Jamil Warney. I was trying to make sure I got it. This cat had 43. He like Barkley, man. Ridiculous. And so yeah, yeah, like forty three and eleven, right? Yeah, and 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 know how to play, got old school game, and and so 
Um, he's someone, I, if, I'm, if I'm Kentucky, I'm a little bit uh, nervous about. In this bracket, I don't, other than that, the only other team I think could make a run, and I don't like how they bigs play, is Michigan. And part of it is they can make a run for a couple rounds because they can shoot. And, um, and they've had some big games. It's crazy about Michigan. They've had, they, you know, they compete and beat against Maryland, but then they'll lose by 25. But when they shoot, they hard, they, they hard to beat. And where they're at, you know, if they beat Tulsa, I think they can compete against Notre Dame. Um, uh, and then, you know, depending on what happened with Stephen F. Austin and stuff like that, they can make a run before you know it, they in the Sweet 16. But the reason why is because they can just shoot. And they got enough cats on that roster who have been around, who are around for that run. That's another team. Other than that, I think, you know, these higher seeds, as you said, I think they're strong. Yeah, that that's the reason where, and this is again when they, when the talent level isn't overwhelming at the big at the bigger schools, um, and but the bigger schools that have more veteran kids this year, it tends to be a more chalk like tournament where you get a lot of chalk. Yeah. I think this is going to be a tournament that plays out that way because you know these aren't young teams that are at the top of the tournament necessarily. These are bigger yeah. programs. Power five programs with veteran players um, and usually more depth, more talent than some of the teams who are coming from the mid major. Who usually, because of their experience and the lack of experience at the with the, some of the blue blood programs, are able to uh, to have a bit of an advantage. That advantage may be nullified a little bit um, because the higher seeds and some of the power five teams uh, have more veteran. Uh, groups this year, and and not a lot of teams are depending upon standout freshmen or sophomore standout freshmen to to lead them to the top. A lot of them have some solid sophomores, some solid juniors, some guys with some some games under their belt, and at least a year of experience at the college level under their belt. Um, yeah, because yeah, I, I, I would say in this bracket the run is between the six and nine teams. You know, I think those just under ten are. The ones that you 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 watch for in this in this bracket um, to kind of uh, disrupt it. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you there. So, which program in the East region do you feel like is the one that's under the most pressure to make it out of this first weekend? Um, I was gonna say one, but I, I believe it's two. But I, I'll say one is Tom Cream for the same reason I said about Oklahoma is that. He went, to, he went to Indiana and turned the program around, and this is his best chance to make a run. He's got, he's got probably one of the best point guards in the country who doesn't get the kind of respect. I think people like him, but I think nationally, I don't think they understand. You know, people talking about Ewis, but when, he, when Yogi's in the building, he's going to look like the best cat on the court and ain't getting no love. And he's got some other pieces on there, and those kids can play. But he's at a point in this program where he got to make a run, or there's going to be some there to be some decisions made about it, right? Because they brought him here to get it back to prominence. He's the kind of coach who should be pushing towards the Final Four, and he really needs this. I think the only other team is Carolina. You know, you got a lot of talent here. You know, falling short, you got to make it. But I think the team that's under the most pressure is Indiana because for their program and where Crean is, they got to make that late run. 
Yeah, and I, I'll, I'll co-sign that 100% because I also think they have the fan base pressure, right? you got to have a yeah. fan base that, that thinks they're a little bit better than they maybe really are, and that is definitely right. Indiana basketball fan. Um, they definitely feel like uh, they have a little bit of a uh, superiority complex because of their rich tradition and history, um, which is, you know, it's a well-earned superiority complex, but it's a superiority complex nonetheless. Um, That's right. And so I think getting to a Sweet 16 uh, would be a, a solid showing by the Indiana Hoosiers. Anything less than that, and I think the posse um, gets a little bit louder. That's coming for Tom Crane. Yeah, yeah he needs to demonstrate he can outcoach a cow. He can outcoach, um, you know, a Roy Williams and use his talent. Like, like this is where he got to make his bones. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio. We are in the midst of breaking down the NCAA bracket. We have done the West region and the East region. You know, I went West side on you. Uh, my man D. Will came in and took it to the East, my brother to the East. We will come back and we will attack the Midwest region and the South regions. Uh, we'll be back right after this. You listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com. Back in full effect, Real Sports Guys, RealSportsGuys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio, brought to you by K&N Filters. K&N replacement air filters are designed to increase horsepower, provide excellent engine protection, and last for the life of your car, truck, or motorcycle. Go to knfilters.com slash podcast and get a great deal on a K&N replacement air filter with free shipping and a bonus, you're going to get a free K&N hat if you tell them the real sports guy sent you. So make sure you go ahead, go to knfilters.com slash podcast, placement air filter, plus that free cap, and tell them the real sports guy sent you. So, D. Wills, we are going to go to the Midwest. All right, we're taking it to the Midwest, the Midwest region, and I'm going to take this region. Um, This is the region that I like. I like the depth of this region. I know some people felt like Michigan State, who is in this region, got a real easy path, and I don't really see that. Um, this is a region that I think mm-hmm. on a sneak tip is loaded with some teams who are lower seeds who are going to be problems, um, and they're going to pose some problems for some of these uh, higher seeds. Um, I will start, though, with the teams that I think can make it out of this region um, as possible Final Four teams. The first team, Michigan State. You've heard me say it on these airwaves. I will say it again. When there's no real favorite, Michigan State's going to make the Final Four. All right? <laughs> Write it down, book it, put it on your bracket. When there's no real favorite, 
that's a year that Michigan State makes it to the Final Four. So I think Michigan State, this is the this is their kind of year. This is their kind of bracket. They're going to make the Final Four. I think I, I, I got them booked out of this region. Denzel Valentine, um, and I know he's getting a little residual Draymond love, um, but the kid is perfect for today's brand of basketball, not just the college game, but the NBA. Um, and it's really weird how, how you know, players and, and trends kind of move back. He's perfect for today's game. He's six six. He can handle the ball. He can do a lot of different things. He's going to go somewhere, and he's going to turn himself into a really good pro. Um, will he reach Draymond's level of impact? All that depends on does he get put in the right system with the right type of players. But if he get, goes to a team like Atlanta, San Antonio, uh, Golden State, one of those teams that's aspiring, or Houston Rockets that's aspiring to play this kind of positionless style of basketball, he is perfect for it. Um, he's an amazing college player. He's clutch. Um, he makes plays. He's under control. Um, he's an Izzo guy, which means he's going to battle. He's going to fight. Uh, he's got that nasty in him. I like that. That's the type of guy I want to leave my squad. Um, and Denzel Valentine is that kind of dude. So I like Michigan State. They have athletes. They have bigs. They got the shooter in Forbes. They got Deontay Davis, the young raw athlete down low. They got a little bit of everything. They can play multiple styles, and they can win in multiple different ways, and that is the key to being a successful team in the tournament. They got a great coach who will get them to play different styles that can kind of shift their gears and push the right button to keep the team plugging away at a high, at a high clip, at a high level of efficiency. I like Duke. I'm sorry, not Duke, Michigan State, to come out of this particular region. Uh, another team I like to potentially come out of this region, uh, and this one I don't like as much as Michigan. Like, if I got to divide up my, my votes, Michigan State is getting eight of my votes, and the next two teams are getting one apiece. All right? <laughs> if they're getting a the conf- vote of confidence, that's Virginia. Um, Virginia defends. Um, they defend well. They play a low-possession style, which always gives them a chance to win and oftentimes can be counter to what their opponents are used to playing, which gives them an advantage. Similar to those old Wisconsin teams that old Wisconsin teams that Tony Bennett's father, Dick, used to coach, um, they were always a tough matchup in the tournament because of the methodical style of play, the physical way they defended, um, and, and the low-possession uh, low style. Um, it really bothers people. Um, it really kind of takes people out of their normal rhythm. Um, and I think, you know, but I think they have a tougher path because they, they don't have up-tempo teams on their side of this bracket. And so that's why I'm not as confident um, that their style is going to be the kind of counter style that it usually is um, because the team that they're going to potentially face, I don't really see as being up-tempo teams. And they'll be able to play a slower pace, and they'll be able to cause Virginia some major problems. So Virginia's the other team who gets one confidence vote. And the third team, my long shot who gets a confidence vote, is the Purdue Boilermakers. Um, Purdue is country big. <laughs> I mean, they got a country big team. I mean, you talk about A.J. Hammonds, uh, Hoser, Caleb Swanigan. These dudes are big. You know, these are some big players. Um, and that's where I think they can give a team like Virginia problems because Virginia isn't going to make those bigs run, right? They're not going to make those guys have to do things like come out and play on the perimeter. Um, you know, they're going to defend a lot of screens, but for the most part they're going to be able because Virginia runs that blocker mover. 
you know, you stick you stick those big guys on the screeners, and you know they're kind of playing in the lane a lot. So I think that's a potential place where Virginia could slip up is in that Sweet 16 game where I think they will they will face Purdue. Um, I think Purdue can get them. Um, so those are the three teams I think are, could potentially come out of this region. What are your thoughts on the Midwest region, D. Wills? Yeah, I, I think you're you're on. I, you know, I think another team is the Big East champ, Seton Hall. I mean, they just are tough. They got what, about four or five guys who are like in double figures. Um, but they, you know, against Villanova, they just get after you and irritate you. And I think that's the kind of team, you know, if they go up against a Virginia or a Michigan State, you know, it's just going to be a dogfight. And, um, and, you know, they're looking to break out. So I, I would say, you know, that other team uh, that could come out of here might be, you know, the, the Big East champ, uh, tournament champ, Seton uh, Hall is another one I might go on that one. Okay. So, um, thinking about the upsets in this region, right, the 10, the, the double-digit teams, 10 or lower, teams that I think – Syracuse is one, obviously, that jumps up. But, again, that's a 17 game, so that's that's kind of cheating. But Syracuse, um, Bayheim is back, that 2-3 zone. Again, something that's a little different, something that teams don't see a lot of. Um, that, that could really throw some teams off and cause some problems in a one-and-done type of scenario. So I always say watch out for the kind of curveball, knuckleball type style that comes in. It's something you don't see very often, and Syracuse has that. Um, I still think Michigan State will handle them. The Michigan State-Syracuse matchup that could potentially happen on the second day of the tournament or the second uh, round, whatever whatever they call it now, the third round is really the second round, but it's the third round. I'm throwing up air quotes. You can't see it because it's a podcast, but I'm throwing up air quotes. in that game, the round of 32, right, that Syracuse-Michigan State game, I anticipate is probably going to be one of the best games of the tournament. The reason being is because Beheim and Izzo know each other so well as coaches. Um, I think that's going to be a game that's going to be a possession or two type game where it's going to be a possession or two late in the game that's going to decide it. I still think Michigan State wins because they got Denzel Valentine, and I think he is as clutch as they get um, when it comes to college basketball. Um, another team, lower seed, that I think could pull an upset is Gonzaga. Um, why? Because they're Gonzaga, and th- that's what they do, right? They're in the tournament. They're always in the tournament. I think this is 18 straight years they've been in the tournament. They solidify who they are. It's a program that is they, – they understand what this time of the year is about. It's a coach that understands what this time of the year is about, and they're going against a program that has clawed and fought their way back to relevance and Seton Hall, and this could be one where Gonzaga's uh, pedigree kind of catches the new, the new, the new dog off guard, um, and you might see a six lose to an 11 in that game. The other one, Iowa State, firmly planted, written in Sharpie <laughs> on the can't trust them list. Iowa oh, State. Wait. Can't trust them. AJ English and uh, Iona, they're coming for him. I'm calling that one right now. Iona is going to upset Iowa State. Mark it down. You watch and see. Just watch and see. (laughs) You heard it from the game changer first. That's the one right there. That's the one you got to watch. And obviously, Butler in the 8 9 game as a 9 seed. I I want winners. That's not really. 
That's not really exactly. That's what we want. That's not really an upset, but watch out for Butler um, as a team that could be scary um, as one of the lower seeds coming out. See, see, the team that I think is under the most pressure in this region to get out of this first weekend is Seton Hall. Um, and the reason I say that is because Seton Hall in the 80s was a name program on the East Coast, right? They could go into New York and get guys, um, you know, to come there, and they had a, a, a solid, well-established program, and they have been off the radar for the good part of the last 30 years. Um, and they have clawed and fought their way back to becoming a relevant program. They need this tournament. They need this opportunity as a Big East champ. They need this opportunity to establish themselves as a power, as a relevant place, as a relevant destination. Again, we talk about the tournament being an opportunity for that kind of mid-major or even that major team that's been sleeping for a while to kind of rebrand themselves, get themselves on the map. They can go into a kid's living room and say, hey, did you see the run we made in the tournament? That's what Seton Hall wants to be able to do. They need this tournament. They need to make it out this first weekend so that they can be able to continue to build and rebuild that program and get it back to a relevant spot. So that's the team I think um, needs this the most. Who are your upsets, and who do you think needs to come out of this region the most? Um, I think you hit on some really good ones. Another one, and, I, you know, you talk about Syracuse, but I think Dayton um, can um, – uh, you know, Dayton's another tough team, man. You know, when you got a guy named Scoochie um, in your on your in your lineup, <laughs> so you balling, you balling when it's yeah. Scoochie. I think that's like Scoochie. Uh, I mean, but they yeah. got like four guys and you know double figures. They can shoot, but you know, I remember my uh, my because my, my cousin used to play in, in that A10, and my brother come up and he said, "Man, you go in Dayton's arena, it's crazy." Dayton and Xavier um, and. You know, again, these are some scrappy ballers, man. You know, they like Philly tough, that I call it. But so I think Dayton is another one. Fresno State, man, I had a chance to watch them play against San Diego State. They get after it. Um, and, um, you know, um, you know Utah, I don't know how they're going to bounce back from that shellacking they took. Um, but, and I love your Gonzaga pick. I got them going a, a couple rounds um, in Iona. I mean, I think when you're talking about um, 10 or above seeds, who can cause some problems? This region probably got the most of them. Like, they got, like yeah, they got and, I think, and I think that's why I, I, I kind of give folks a side <laughs> eye when they talk yeah. about Michigan State. You know, when the people talk about the easy path that Michigan State has, you know, they have some programs in their bracket who are mid major programs who maybe are not high profile, who maybe aren't big names, but they are tournament tested. You're talking about Dayton that's been in the tournament the last five or six years consistently. Um, has made the tournament. You're talking about Gonzaga. You're talking about uh, Butler. You know, these lower seeds in this, in this yeah. bracket are not any pushover soft. Plus, on top of yeah. those teams, you got a Fresno State. you got Syracuse, who was in a down year. Um, this isn't an easy pass. This isn't an easy pass yeah. by any means, in my opinion. Yeah. And, and, um, and when you're talking about Gonzaga, I mean, Sabonis is a, basically you know a lottery I mean, and yeah. so, you know, you got you know, Wiltshire and Sabonis, and like you said, you know, they think they're supposed to be a top program. I mean, they built a kind of swagger around that. In some ways, they're probably feeling like we shouldn't even be here in this place. So they could play with an edge in a way. So you're, you're right. I think there's some uh, some teams. And, and I think you talk about teams that 
that really got to do it. I, I agree with you on the um, Seton Hall one. The other team I would say is Purdue. I think they're the same way you were. I mean, Purdue for a long time had been a power program and it kind of went down towards the end of G- Gene Cady's time. Um, and they've been building that thing back up. And I think, you know, when you have the, the kind of bigs they have and the opportunity to have with, you know, these kids uh, are, are, are going to be moving on, you got to capitalize on this moment. And the one thing about it, there's, there's a couple things about the tournament. And this is why I think Wisconsin was always good to get to the Elite Eight or whatever. When you have something about you that's hard to prepare on a turnaround game, you got an advantage. And one of the things about people about Purdue, and I heard a couple of like, you can't even fathom how the, how big they are and how they how well they funnel you to those bigs and how difficult that is to stop. And when you only got a couple of days to prepare and you can't get you can't grow any more inches, that you know, that becomes a difficult task. And so, you know, I think this is their best opportunity to push into that elite eight. Um and if they want to go to the next level and be considered not only that kind of powerhouse in the Big Ten, but just picking their back into the national conversation. I think Purdue needs to make a run. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So as we keep this rolling, um, we're going to keep it rolling here, and we're going to go to the South region. You're going to take the lead on the South over here, D. Wills. Uh, your three teams out of the South you think can make it all the way. Well, I mean, obviously, you know, Kansas is, you know, um, you know, consider that overall number one. You know, Bill Self is on my can't trust it list. But this is the first team that I've seen that has a level of toughness about them, that that they could get through some of the the struggles they sometimes, you know, I mean, when they struggle, they struggle in weird ways that you just kind of say, how they struggling? Like you still like after the after the tournament's over, you still trying to figure out how Kansas lost. But I think having someone like a Perry Ellis, who I think is just stable and solid, and a leader, I think stabilizes them in ways that, um, and they're deep with talent. Um, and so obviously Kansas is that team that um, I think can do it. You know, um, Maryland can get on a run. They're as talented as anybody in the country, and they can get on a run that can really put together six games because, you know, they they have the talent um, to do it. Um, Bill over them, I can't trust it with, but they're playing tough. Um, and, um, you know, I think they can make a run. I think the sneaky one out of that side of the bracket is really Miami. Miami is funny because you know, these football schools that have put some stuff together, but, you know, Miami is – the one thing about the tournament, Miami feels like the southern version of Michigan State. They just tough. <laughs> they gonna find a way to how to grind it out, and they're trying to build a program on that kind of um, attitude. And, and maybe this is the year that they kind of break through um, and create their own space. Um, uh, I think those two. You know, there's teams like California and some of that, but I think some of the newness on that is a uh, is possibly a struggle in there. Um, and some other sneaky teams like Iowa. But I think those are kind of, I would say, some of the favorites probably come out of this bracket can make a run. Okay, okay. This, this to me, is a can't-trust-it special bracket right here. This is a yeah, can't-trust-it reason. If you, were, if, you were, if you were to brand it, like, this is where you're going to lose your money. <laughs> yeah, this <laughs> is a can't-trust-it reason. You know, you got Kansas, 
cool. I really am not interested in. Um, you got Arizona, who I'm really not interested in. You got Villanova. It's well documented how we feel about well documented how we feel about yes. Villanova. Um, so those are, you know, and, and again, Miami, they're they. I don't know, just something about them that just quite don't feel right with you being a good basketball program. You know, something just feels a little weird about that. But um, again, this is the this is the this is the Fugazi right here. This is the Fugazi. This is yeah. This is the this is the region I think is going to have a lot of red on people's brackets. <laughs> going to be a lot of red in this region. Um, but I definitely I definitely understand that the Kansas pick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is all alpha region. Yeah, I yeah. definitely see the Kansas and, and Maryland has a has a guard who can get hot. And again, we all know that's the cheat code. You get a hot guard, you can make you can it, it can get you out of the first weekend at least. Um, and Melo Tremble is capable of doing that. Um, so I like those picks. Uh, who do you have as those lower seeds who could possibly be uh, sleepers? Spoilers. Uh, jump up and, and grab some of these uh, some of the headlines and get out of the first weekend. Well, I mean, we talked about this, um, you know, a little bit last week. I mean, last in our last podcast, and just some other things we kind of put out is Wichita State. Um, I think they got the senior leadership. They got a chip on their shoulder in a way that I think people have kind of forgotten about them. But I just I do think that conference is just a tough conference, and I think you know Van Fleet and the, and the fellas. Um, could make a sneaky run um, out of that because of the dysfunction of folks in this region, that they've been there and, and they're not afraid of the competition. Um, I think that's one. Another one, interesting one is Hawaii. Um, they, you know, because of where they, they're located, they're kind of, you know, uh, out of the picture. But, you know, they run this kind of three-guard, you know, forward lineup, and, you know, they can score and they can get after you. They play good defense. They got players who can can get after you, um, and you know I can see them, um, you know, making a run at California, um, possibly making a run at Maryland um, um, in a way. And so um, uh, Maryland's interesting against South Dakota State in that you know you don't know what Maryland team is going to show up if they don't shoot well. Trumbull is a great player, but if he don't shoot well, the rest of them struggle. Um, you know, so I wouldn't be surprised South Dakota State. You know, we've interviewed them uh, on our show. Um, uh, makes a run, but I, I think the key ones that you can realistically put your kind of thing behind would be Wichita State, um, because I just think that um, they got the experience in this that's not going to. And I think playing Bandy um, um, in a in kind of a play-in kind of thing, and I, you know tracking what's going on with that um, gives them kind of a run into the tournament if they can win that game that would get them ready for an Arizona and then kind of make a run. In some ways, that might be a benefit to them because they kind of got that rhythm going. Yeah, I, and again, because there's so many can trusted teams in this particular region, I think this region is one where um, a Wichita could just totally wreak havoc. Um, again, they have the pedigree. They have guys who've been in the tournament pretty much every year of their career. They've gone far in the tournament. They've advanced in the tournament. They know how to. They know what it takes to get deep into the tournament. Um, and those guys are guards, um, and that's scary. Um, that's something that I think everybody should be worried about. Everybody should be a little bit concerned about. Um, and 
you know, having Vandy, uh, having that game against Vandy, um, again, they still have to win that game. But if they win that game, again, I'm, I'm not necessarily super high on the other teams. I think Wichita could make a really deep run out of this uh, particular uh, region. Uh, the other team that I, I like is Hawaii. Um, the reason being is California right now is a team that is, this is kind of, again, they're kind of one of these newbies to this whole tournament scene. They're a four seed. They're led by some really talented young guys, right? Big program, young guys, high seed, right, for an upset, right? We go through this every year where there are one or two teams that are led by young players um, that Ivan Rabb and Jalen Brown are really talented guys, and they have a lot of a lot of talent, a lot of ability, but they're freshmen. Um, and style, coaching, um, all those things, short time for preparation, all those things are going to, I think, uh, potentially Cal is one I'd watch, and Hawaii upsetting them. I wouldn't be surprised. And then Hawaii faces a South Dakota or a Maryland in the next round. And anything can happen once you get there. Once you get to the round of 32, it's one game and you're in the Sweet 16. And you get a Hawaii in that situation or Wichita State, and, you know, don't be surprised. Another sleeper, they're not a double-digit seed, but another sleeper is UConn, man. Kevin Ollie is a good coach. And, yeah. you know, Kansas, that Kansas-UConn potential second-round matchup could be an issue for Kansas. So, you know, there are some opportunities for some of the can't trust it teams to slip up. So you just got to be ready. Make sure yeah, and, and I would you say, trust the right people. Put, yeah, and I would say, you know, not in that 10 thing, but, you know, people forget they had a run, and they got some players as I was. You know, we think about Utah and some of those cats, you know, they stumbled down the stretch. But, you know, at a time, there was for a period there, you know, they're ranked in the top five, um, you know, had that run. You know, they you know, they ran into some struggles but they got some players. And if they can put together some yeah. runs, they got they got some player of the year kind of candidates on that squad that's kinda of sneaky just sitting down there. Uh particularly with all these can't trust it. Yeah. So you got Villanova in this bracket, you got Kansas, you got Miami, you got Cal, you got Maryland, those are your top five seeds. Who in this bracket ha- is under the most pressure to get out of the first weekend? Villanova, without a doubt. <laughs> they, I mean, and it was funny because they, they, they were interviewing Jay Wright, and, you know, he couldn't even answer the question when they asked him about it, you know. And all he could say is, you know, he's got some guys who, you know, they don't talk about it, they just focus on it. But and he even said, you know, people just kind of, um, didn't pay attention to our regular season because they knew we had to perform here. So it's on his mind. And if he's talking about that in national interviews, then he's got to do something. He cannot be on the CBS desk by the next weekend. You know, it's just, you know, looks good in the suit. Best dressed cat in the business. But, you know, as much as I give him a lot of he's a good coach, and something's happening that is not clicking in this moment. And, you know, he's he can't just get out of the first round. He can't fall short of getting to at least an elite eight and maybe a final four. Agreed. He's got to – he's got to – he's got they got to make something happen over there. Um, again, yeah. this is too many years where they've been a one seed, a two seed, a three seed, and just haven't gotten out of the first weekend and just have completely yeah. disappointed. So it's uh, – 
Yeah, I think there's a lot of pressure them, on them. We're going to start calling them Glass Joe. Yeah. 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 You know, they don't get it right. Agreed. Agreed. So, you know, and another team I think that's under a little bit of pressure is, uh, I think, is Maryland. Um, Maryland mm-hmm. has a lot of talented guys. Um, and I don't think if they don't if they don't make a run, I think they're gonna they're gonna lose a lot of their talent, right? Um, mm-hmm. This has been a team that all year has been kind of up and down. They have some guys who maybe already have their eyes on the next step, the next phase of their careers, um, going on to the pros. And again, if this goes bad, this whole thing could unravel, and they could find themselves back rebuilding really quickly. Um, and that's yep. not a position you want to be in now that you're in the Big Ten. Um, so that that that's just something that, you know, I think is really important for Maryland as far as, again, continuing to, to continue on that upward trend, uh, continue to keep that arrow pointed up. They got to make sure that they make good and they win because, you know, they got some one and done, some young guys, Mellow Tremble, Diamond Stone. Those guys may go pro. They're projected first-rounders. They may go pro. Are you you need ammunition to go into a living room and restock the cupboard. Um, and if they go out early, I don't know if they'll have that ammunition um, to be competitive on the recruiting trail um, and restock that cupboard. You know, they kind of they kind of have their their like one foot in the one and done game right now. Yep. They're not all in. They're not Duke or uh, you, uh, um, you you Kentucky level uh, into the one and done game, but they kind of got one foot in. Um, and they're gonna need if they if they're gonna go two feet in, they gotta win. Um, they gotta yep. win, and they gotta have a good showing. Um, otherwise, they're gonna be in that weird spot where they're kind of like a a place where one and dones can go, but not really. Um, and then it becomes hard because those places are gonna pick those kids are gonna pick places where they can raise their profile, right? Where they can be seen, where they can be out. Um, but then they're also going to be able to play with other guys who are going to help them get to the tournament. You know, people are going to learn from Ben Simmons. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Yeah. Um, yeah. So as we wrap up this, this bracket conversation, let's talk about some of the teams that aren't in the bracket this year. Uh, Louisville. Um, Louisville is not playing because of self-imposed sanctions. Um, some young men have come out and said that the allegations – have confirmed some of the allegations that have been placed upon the program. Rick Pitino was on Mike and Mike this morning trying to talk around the issue. You know, Slick Rick, you know, he he, <laughs> he, he spit he spit fine silk. <laughs> he spit fine silk, man. That brother spin you a tail. Uh, what do you think about Louisville and the state of that program? You know, they got guys who were there who came there just to play in the tournament who are now sitting at home watching. Um what do you think about that whole situation at Louisville? Yeah, I mean it's 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 tough, man, because you you're like you know, um, and, and when you listen to him, you're like, you know, Patino's got this 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 he got his whole talking points down, and um, uh, he, and, you know, unless they can make a connection that he knew, um. And I think Louisville is all in on Patino right now. They've, they've been through a couple things with him that you know he's gonna get through this. He'll you know depending on what if you know if they're okay with this self-imposed sanction um, and they're back next year, he'll he'll reload. Um, you know it's it's uh, an unfortunate thing, but I think it's just one of his storylines. It's the same thing 
you know, we were talking about Beheim and the academic stuff, and he's back here, you know. That, there's no conversation about it. Beheim is here, and he's rolling. And um, I think the same thing will happen with Louisville. Yeah, uh, and again, it's, it's a kind of a double-edged sword. Yeah, he didn't know, but it's kind of his job to know this kind of stuff. Like, if you're going to know anything, you got to know when this stuff is happening. You know what I mean? That's what you're there. That's part of the reason you're there. Right, it's to make sure yeah. this kind of stuff doesn't happen. That's why you're. That's part of the reason why you're in charge. So you know, it's kind of one of those deals where I understand, but I don't understand. I get that he couldn't know, and I understand it's possible that he didn't know, um, because this is definitely something that if it's going on and the big man ain't signing off on it, you got to make sure the big man don't know. But part of being a part of the big man, a big, a large part of being the big man, is knowing this kind of stuff and making sure that this stuff can't doesn't happen on your watch. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you got multiple people with eyes on the situation. Just in case the people who don't yeah. have eyes got eyes yeah. on them. Uh, yeah. And so, so um, yeah. yeah. I feel bad for the athletes because they're the ones who yeah. are missing out on an opportunity, who are losing an opportunity. Um, Rick Pitino is still going to get paid at the end of the year. The institution is still going to make out in the black. Um, so that is what it is. Another situation I want to talk about before we give our final four picks is Ben Simmons, um, and the LSU situation. LSU is not going to compete in any postseason tournament, kind of just pulling the plug on this whole season. Um, what's your assessment of the situation? You know, I've called it, I've come out and called it a failure. Um, to me, this whole Ben Simmons decision to go to a non-traditional basketball power as what is what he's been billed as a generational talent um was a bad move. Um it's brought in a question in his ability. It's definitely brought in a question in LSU's ability to support one in the one and done kind of a player. Um what is your assessment of this whole situation? Because I think it's uh it's raised some real it, I think it, it it's it's put out there the first kind of test case of can a one and done go anywhere? And as of right now, the answers are resounding no. Well, I mean, I I think I think what's unique about this situation is he got brother-in-law. So it wasn't like Dale Brown running into Shaq in Europe on a base and saying, hey, young man, come to LSU. Now, they've had big-time players at LSU before. I think what's unique about this is that his godfather is an assistant coach, which created a unique scenario around how you handle him. And I think there are also certain assumptions about maturity with international players in the way in which they engage those players that they don't do with with young people coming from urban environments. There's an over um, uh, kind of a micromanagement of some students from urban environments. There are sometimes with international players this view of sophistication. These are cats who play with professionals. They come in with – certain level of maturity, and you assume some things. But he's still 18-year-old rock star down in one of the SEC campuses where there's a lot of energy. Have you ever been down to Baton Rouge? Youngin, away from home. But I think there's certain assumptions in which um, how people treat sometimes international athletes when they come in these spaces that I feel like that aren't the kinds of things they would do if Ben Simmons was from New Orleans. So I think the setup here was messed up in a way, because of this weird relationship with this assistant coach. So I do think, you know, if it were more of a natural kind of recruitment thing, 
where there was some different kind of setup, I think it could have worked. The other thing was with that comes a whole bunch of other stuff, and it appears like his teammates weren't engaged on him a lot. And, um, you know, that's another part of the layer because it probably was some favoritism that kind of came with this relationship that we might find out later that, you know, as athletes, are like they ain't really trying to feel that, right? And, you know, you international, so there's some other pieces around here. Like, you'll come from Australia. I've been balling in Chicago. So there's some other elements that played out here that I think in other cases could work. I just think this was a unique case. Um, and it also says something about his ability to deal with these things, which I think are also part of some things that got to be unpacked um, here. Um, you know, he definitely had a different mindset when he came to this. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think for me, um, what it comes down to is is what what can be learned from this from this experience, right? I think on one so, hand, um, Ben Simmons has to learn that he can't he can't trust his brand, he can't trust what he's about to become. Sometimes you got to separate family and business, man. You just do. That's right. Um, they got to be two separate things. Um, you know, what's done is done. I guarantee if Ben Simmons could go back and redo his signing day. He winds up at a Kentucky. He winds up at a Duke. He winds up playing for a Coach K, a Coach Cal, Izzo, mm-hmm. Patino. I mean, a great coach. I don't even know who LSU's yeah. coach is. I don't even know this guy's name. Like, yeah. I don't. I don't. I couldn't tell you what the, what the coach at LSU's name is. Um, yeah. And I think that is at the crux of everything is that I don't know if the coaching was what, you know, again, if you're preparing yourself to play at the next level, you got to – you got to study under somebody who knows what they're doing. It's just like any other profession or field. You got to go with the right. best star. Um, yeah. And I think in that sense, in that in that sense, he kind of played himself a little bit um, because he wasted a year, in my opinion, of his growth and development um, yeah. at this particular school. My hope is that he yeah. learns from that. Right. That's the yeah. hope is that I mean, he learns from that. And he doesn't make those kind of mistakes again, as far as who he his decision making process as to who he has around him what kind of situation he's going into. Unfortunately, he doesn't get to choose his next situation. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how yeah, all that plays and, out. And, and let me let me add this. I mean, if A.B. Johnson had been at LSU rather than Alabama, he probably would have had a different kind of situation. Right. And so, you know, and I think you're right. I think, you know, this coach might have been so happy to have this kind of recruit that he forgot you need coaching. And so he was creating concierge kind of model that didn't play out. Like, he's like, I don't want to ruin him. And not every coach in that situation is going to be that way. There's great coaches at places like LSU who would have coached him differently. So I think it was a, a right. I think he hit on some really important things. Yeah, and, I, I, you know, again, um, the other thing that I think we have to learn from, from this whole situation um, is, you know, I think the thing that comes into question and we have to kind of take a step back and really look at um, and really kind of start to examine the context, and and I think this is going to impact the draft process, um, is is Ben Simmons really a generational talent? Um, Because I think if you would have put LeBron, you know, when LeBron was coming out, there was rumors he was going to go and play at the University of Akron. If LeBron goes and plays at the University of Akron, they still make the NCAA tournament. Are they one of the best teams in the country? Probably not, but they're one of the best 68. You know, yeah. Dwight Howard, as a 19-year-old, he goes to college. His team makes the tournament. 
Kyrie yeah. Irving, his team makes the tournament. Derrick Rose, yeah. his team. You know, if they go to a smaller school yeah. that isn't a traditional blue blood, that team makes the yeah. tournament with one of those players. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't doubt that one bit. So it is a little bit, um, again, yeah. concerning that Simmons couldn't get his team right. to be one of the top 68 in the in the country um, when yeah. that just isn't that difficult to do. It's just not, yeah. um, especially if you are that gifted and that talented. Um, so it brings into question, you know, I'm not saying that he's not awesome. I think he's a great player, and I think what I've seen is real um, on the court. But it does bring into question, um, I think you have to dig a little deeper, right? I think what you would have taken as face value is this dude is the real deal. He's going to be a great player. Now I think you have to investigate a little bit more and figure out are there some personality quirks because that's what it boils down to, and we all know that. That's the difference between, you know, Derek Coleman and Charles Barkley was yeah. their mental makeup. Yeah. And so that's the area where I think scouts have to kind of dig into Ben Simmons a little bit harder than maybe they would have otherwise um, because I think that's the thing that um, separates greats from, from not so greats um, or guys who constantly tease you, the Lamar Odoms, guys like that with all the talent. Right, so does Ben Simmons become a six foot ten LeBron James, or does he become the second coming of Lamar Odom? You know what I mean, mm-hmm. a guy who has it all there and you can just see it, but he rarely puts it together on the court. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that's a, that's the other piece that we have to kind of now start to investigate. And then the last piece I think we can learn from this whole Ben Simmons thing is that we have to kind of look at, and I think hopefully young athletes will look at. If I'm projecting myself as a one and done, and I kind of touched on this with talking about Maryland, there are certain places that do the one and done thing better than other places. Like they know how to handle it. They have an infrastructure of support in place. Um, you know, like Coach Cal having NBA scouts coming to his practices where they hold just like a, a, a pro day type practice type atmosphere. That's that's different than anything that probably happened for him at LSU. Mm-hmm. You know, and so those are the kind of things that as a one and done, if you're projecting yourself that way, you got to start to consider and think about. Um, and I think Ben Simmons highlights that because even as talented and gifted as he is, he couldn't just go anywhere and be successful. Um, and so I think any kid that's thinking about a one and done has to kind of reevaluate. You know, and we had a couple of kids this year, even though this wasn't a, a, an immensely talented class, there were a couple of kids this year in this class who went other places. Uh, who went to non-traditional places. Um, I think one kid went to Mississippi State um, and just how those things worked out, you know. So I think those are some things that I've taken from this. Those are some things I think you can you can learn from this situation. Um, what are your thoughts uh, on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say that, um, you know, uh, I think you hit it right. I mean, I think people got to be very conscious about brand and who can coach them. Um, you know, I think the role of parents in decision-making, I think his parents played a very important role in where he was going because he was going so far from home. It was more about connecting with somebody they knew would watch out for him rather than looking at the bigger picture. Um, I think that drove a lot of it. And so it also speaks to the role that parents can also play in this thing and, and, um, also, you know, these athletes' um, ability or inability to be able to negotiate those things as well. So I think all of it um, is part of this. And, you know, not just the players, but the families 
um, have to take a step back in terms of making sure they're they're finding the right fit. Agreed. Agreed. Um, so, as we finish up this show, we finish up this edition of the Real Sports Guys. This is Real Sports Guys. RealSportsGuys.com. RSG. Renegade Radio. We're going to finish it out. Uh, final four picks. All right, we're going to unveil the final four picks today. Put it on wax. Making a call. All right, I'll drop mine. You can drop yours. Game changers final four for the 2016 NCAA tournament. Kansas. Buddy Hill in Oklahoma. Kentucky. And Michigan State. D. Wills, who's your right. Kansas. My buddy, Oklahoma. And then I have Indiana. The Hoosier State making their run in Houston. And a Big Ten matchup against Michigan State. All right. All right. So, that'll do it for this edition of the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio, brought to you by Infinity Wealth Group. Make sure you go like their Facebook page for a free consultation. Uh, We've had a great show. My man D. Wills and I keeping it live on the ones and twos. Uh, we'll see you next week in two weeks when we drop the next podcast. Until then, keep it funky, keep it fresh. Peace. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.